Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Got 10 Minutes podcast, the podcast for product managers. Today, we speak with Heather Chen, a director of product at Kiavi, a fintech and prop tech startup empowering real estate investors with modern technology, timely capital to fund opportunities, and the confidence required to unlock the value of America's aged homes. Hey, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Heather, tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, like, how, how did you get into product and what's your background? Sure, Dwayne. So I actually started out my career as a data scientist. So um, after I graduated from Stanford, I joined Google as a data scientist. Around like a few years in, um, there was some org change and I felt like trying out the product management role. Um, so I thought that being a product manager would be able to kind of allow you a better chance to really get to see how your product gets applied and then how to create that business impact. So I kind of asked my team and I said, hey, can and I try out 50-50 as a data scientist and product manager for a while. So for me, I always like to have a plan B, you know, I don't know, like uh, the grass can always look greener on the other side, but I want to get my hands dirty, try it out, make sure that's really my thing before I transition. So this other kind of candidate search we're building is to help companies kind of be able to uncover some of those past candidates for new roles. So they're looking for a PM there. So I kind of raise my hand. I say, hey, could I try? And that really uh, started my journey as a product manager. So I tried that for a few months and eventually I just told my manager and mentor who was like a group product manager at Google at that time saying that, hey, I want to formally transition to become a product manager. And they were very supportive along the way, which I appreciate forever. And so I started this internal transfer uh, path at Google. I think that whole process took probably three months or something like that. Then uh, one day I just got an email from like the recruiting coordinator who's helping with this that, hey, you transitioned to like product management. So I know it's like fairly long, but I thought it's kind of kind of unique because a lot of people, they started out as a product manager, probably starting as an associate product manager out of school before me. I really started more as a software engineer, data scientist, and then transitioned to uh, becoming a product manager. Got it. Uh, so what, what exposure did you have to product management while uh, attending Stanford? I think the exposure really started when I was um, at Google. So mm. it, it's funny because like the first time that I feel like, hey, product management is interesting is um, so there was a user study that they wanted to run and then they're asking people to volunteer, right? So usually like you, you include some people working on tech side to give them a chance to directly interact with the uh, users as well. Plus uh, the user study is in New York. So I'm like, oh, wow. this is trip New York. So sign me up. So honestly, that's it. And then so I went and then that was actually my first time ever seeing um, a user interacting with like the data models that I've built. And then so I remember like in my mind, I was kind of like, oh, you should, like click that instead instead of this and then so it's like interesting just like seeing how they critique what you've built how they interact with it how they talk about hey what th this product you're building could actually impact their lives that i felt that really really powerful because mm. in the past i was like more removed from like really seeing and interacting with users so this experience i think you could say that kind of planted the seed in my mind so from then i kind of started to pay closer attention to what um, the product managers do as data scientists we also work pretty closely with product managers so started to observe more about what they do finally after talking with a few product managers to understand uh, more about like kind of like from how they describe their daily work is like uh, i decided to kind of try that 50 50 as i mentioned before got it 
Uh, so it's, it's very interesting um, because having a background in data science and also software engineering makes you like, like one of the top 1% of like most powerful product managers. <laughs> so what, what's, what's it like um, having such a background and how helpful has that been for you in product? Yeah, so I think it's certainly been very helpful when you could kind of like, well, speak the engineer's language, you know, so like you've, you've been there, you've done that. So you you understand kind of when it comes to like a data science project, uh, what would be most helpful to the data scientists, right? So what kind of context do they need? And in what kind of space and time they should be given to really work on some of this modeling, which is not kind of like one week, there will be a like amazing model. It takes time, it takes data and all that kind of stuff. And in engineering as well. So you have more empathy when it comes to like, they have to estimate their work and then they could encounter some of these like unknowns as they get deeper, right? So like, yeah, so I think um, you know that side as well. So when you're a product manager trying to kind of like be on top of the progress of like how we're executing towards the goal, are going, you know better of like, hey, how could you help them and what kind of difficulties they may encounter and then how as a product manager, you could help maybe reprioritize the things or like take things away from them or a bunch of other stuff you could do. So I think that's helpful. But I think what's interesting is one part that I really needed to learn and catch up. Honestly, it was more on, I would say like the design part. I think there's usually people say like this triangle of like product management, engineering and design, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, users of user design. So I think data science count more towards the engineering part as well. So I think that part I'm pretty strong but when it comes to design uh when I was a data scientist I didn't really interact as much with like designers right usually like mm. you learn from product managers hey here's the model you need to build and you start crunking on that, it that happens start, a like, lot yeah like the performance <laughs> you measure you make sure it's awesome you tell the whole story and that's it but the most interesting part is really to get to interact with like much more people from different functions uh, so designer is just one right so you started working with them very closely when it comes to, hey, how are we going to prototype things? How are we going to kind of visualize certain stuff like mockups, clickable prototypes to make sure engineers can visualize things and how do we uncover edge cases? Are these interactions going to be real-time or not? Because it has like huge implications on the infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. So that was new to me. And of course, designers are just one example, right? There's a lot other like, well, legal marketing sales. So you started to like interact with them as well throughout the product life cycle. Mm. So like you have some product managers or some teams that kind of either um, they over-index on qual or over-index on quant or kind of use one to guide the other. Like how, how do you use your background to um, uh, know which one to use or know when to use both to gain powerful insights uh, from, from users? Yeah, that's a great question. And then I think um, unfortunately what I have to tell you is it's case by case. Yeah. So <laughs> Which there is an answer that I could just say, oh, you do this, that's guaranteed to be right. But no, I think one thing you uh, learn after being a product manager is uh, not like code when you execute, it either works or not. Like there's a lot of times gray area and you have to deal with ambiguity. So I think that's the case when you kind of really bring in your stakeholders, right? So like mm. um, data scientists, engineers, designers. So you discuss with them and then think about, hey, with what we're launching, like either it's a feature or a full product, what is 
is going to be most useful for us to measure here, right? So I think when we can, we try to do both. So like quantitative, that's something we would certainly define. Like, hey, when we uh like launch this feature or launch this set of features, what is going to be the success like? What's the north star? What are the, the main uh metrics and the secondary metrics, right? To make sure mm-hmm. you cover the basis. And um, so that would come by default. And sometimes we run A/B testing as well, right? So you kind of figure out, hey, is this really better than what it was before? So you don't launch it all at once. You kind of started with uh just like maybe a segment of users and then you go from there. So mm-hmm. on the qualitative side, I think there are a few things we do. It really depends on like what's best for the feature. So sometimes we would like actually interview a bunch of like users, right? So after it's live, we will like watch them and then see how they interact with things. Of course, most likely we've already done those user research before the product was even launched, right? So since it was prototype and then along the road and into finally launching. But when you launched it, it's in the real environment. Believe me, there are things that's going to be different from when you were just prototyping. And there's also like we sometimes launch like surveys, right? So we would ask about what's the MPS score? Like how likely would you be like recommending this? Usually it's like at a more product level, like how would you recommend this product to others, right? And in some of these just like ratings on like certain features, like how easy is it to use? Awesome. Uh, so was it, was it like working at Kiavi? Working at Kiavi so far has been really fun. And um, so I said so far because I actually joined pretty recently. <laughs> so I joined back on January 10th. So I've only been here for almost two months. Um, but Kiavi is, uh, I think it's a great place that everyone is super helpful. And in there, when you're new, they kind of like reach out to help you. And I also think like the goal and in like what we're embarking on is really meaningful. I've always been interested in real estate. Um, and then as you can see, like before I joined Kiavi, I was at JLL, that was more a commercial real estate. So honestly, like as kind of like normal people, we probably don't touch that as much, right? So they deal with like huge companies, institutions and stuff. So Kiavi, it's all about like helping real estate investors um, to kind of like realize the some of these like potential when it comes to like the properties, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that also creates benefits for the US market because there are so many aged houses. I think it's like more than one third or something are like defined as like aged houses. Yeah, especially in the Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, with like a lot of these, like recently the interest rates moving and then like the housing price, like crazy, all that kind of stuff. So I think as we help our uh, real estate investors to be able to get to like the finance, like the money to be able to kind of fund either it's like a bridge loan if they want to do some flips or if they want to like buy a rental house, we're not just stopping at a financing side, which is where we start. And we're like the biggest lender when it comes to bridge loans now. However, we're also looking into extending into the other parts of the real estate investment life cycle. Like how do we help them discovering a property after you discover and then you finance it. And after that, how do we help them like exit, exit and maintain some of those properties? So we're certainly looking into some of those other domains as well. Um, and another cool thing is, so we count ourselves as over a fintech and then also a prop tech company. But the thing that's kind of like uh, showing in both is tech, right? So I think tech is our secret sauce. So we pay a lot of attention into where we could use technology to make the process easier, faster, and smarter for our borrowers so that they could get to the funds easier. Awesome. Uh, so what are some lessons that you've learned uh, in previous companies that that have helped you uh, on this, this, this journey of product? Um, like what are some lessons that you can actually share with, with our community? I think it's, it's too like, 
talk to like many people like from different like functions. And of course, when you are onboarding, you do that as a default, right? You kind of like trying to like learn the, like uh, the landscape of them and you try to talk to people. But after that, I think it's about like you, you need to like keep the conversation open. So I think a lot of times um, the cross-functional partnership you have mm -hmm. is going to be powerful to help you push things through. Even if like you don't really exactly need it right now, let's say, oh, like I'm not really like building something that needs to be like marketed out there until however long like down the road. But I think keeping that um, channel open and understanding how they've been working, I think a lot of times it could really kind of give you like new ideas, not like by design, but just like through talking you can and also kind of figure out how you might help. So I think just like really make sure that you keep that channel open and stay on people's minds so that when you get somewhere, there's some of these like um, assets, like the relationship assets you've already built, you know, so um, people are like used to working with you and they're willing to help um, if you don't. And then just kind of like, oh, like I haven't talked to you for six months and now I'm reaching out needing this it could happen. But of course, like it, it would take, I think, more time. And then the other thing I would say that's very important is and especially I think uh, with like working remotely is to make sure that there is adequate like process um, to make sure people are aligned. Because like you need mm -hmm. to figure out what's the right way to communicate with people. Like, uh, should should we actually call a meeting uh, to discuss something and then make sure like we get approval in the end, or is it something that we could do a sync, right? And you have to really figure out like the right balance because a lot of times people complain about like being burned out and in like so many meetings now because you don't have those like water cooler conversations walking like mm. by people. You have to be very like deliberate, mm -hmm. and, and so you don't want to bombard people with like tons of meetings, but you also need to get stuff done, right? So if you need approval from people, if you need to make sure every Everyone is on board, everyone has the visibility, you need to do that. So I think as a product manager, you really have to kind of stay on top of that and figure out what's the best way um, to get to moving things along. Yeah, like product is, is really challenging. You have so many things to manage. Um, so with that said, like how, what's one of the most challenging things uh, you have to do on a daily basis? And uh, to contrast that, what's one of the most satisfying things you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I think the most difficult thing is probably it's it's interesting. You, you're prioritizing for people, right? So like mm. uh, you prioritize for teams, and then like uh, you help like engineers or like data science or other folks about like, hey, what should we build and why? And then, however, when it comes to yourself, right? So I think um, it's like there are so many things to do, and then like, you have to do a lot of context switching. And sometimes you might have to get to like the lowest level to talk about like a specific feature, mm. like where should we put that button, and then like the why, and then like what color it is. You sometimes have to get to like a very deep level discussing with engineers, designers about like uh, specific features. But sometimes you have to be kind of like high level, like pitching to execs about like um, your strategy. Like, why do I believe we need to build this? Why do I think like this is our like one year vision when it comes to certain things? And then so you need to kind of be able to like prioritize your day because like coming back to that, it's about 
about like, hey, if there are like so many meetings ongoing, um, are you able to kind of protect your time to really kind of, because you need to think, right? As a product mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. you need to be able to set aside time to really think about kind of why are we building some things and then like some research you need to do and then kind of like putting that time together to like think and then kind of get feedback and then like um, figure out like a vision strategy to like lead the team. And then however, a lot of times you kind of fall into seeing like 100 emails that you need to reply. And the other one about like most rewarding thing, I think the most rewarding thing really is like when you get to like launch something. So Mm -hmm. like um, it could be as small as just like the team is doing like maybe like bi-weekly demos. There's stuff that were just words. And then now like a few weeks in, it's something that's moving, that's working. You're demonstrating to the stakeholders for them to like provide feedback, right? So I think that's always an amazing feeling. And then of course, when it comes like bigger product launch, it's even more so, right? So you plan a whole thing along with like marketing, with legal, with whomever to make sure that the path is clean. And then finally you launch it. And then you start getting all the traffic. You start actually like um, analyzing kind of people's reaction, um, people's kind of like responses and in their feedback to your product. I think I found that like hard to replace. It's just like, it's so rewarding, like seeing people using something that you've built. And then like, especially when like the feedback is like, is positive. And then they even like uh, say, oh, that little, little something design is something that matches me, matches my needs so well. And then that's something you spend hours and hours um, to kind of like work with like these designers from the user research to make sure that's like a good little add to like your product. That's amazing. So uh, this is our last question here, Heather. What's one weakness you've turned into your strength? I don't know whether I would consider this like weakness in a way, but let me let me say this. So I think I sometimes tend to kind of like over plan, you know? So like what I do is like, I like to bring structure and process into things. And then so let's say like, even when I'm like, say planning a trip, I will create this like most detailed itinerary. And then so, well, it's, it's a weakness in a way that people say, why don't you have any like, why don't you just be spontaneous, right? And it, it, sometimes it could give people like pressure as well. So, however, I think it is helpful, especially at my current job and a previous job when it's like, hey, you're you're growing the team and then the team is like at a place that you need to kind of like set some process up. If you bring in like a proper process and structure, it helps the team scale, right? Because otherwise everyone is doing things differently and there's a lot of inconsistency. And over time, you spend so much time on the overhead as opposed to like really delivering. So I think probably turn that from a little bit of a weakness when people say, hey, you need to be more like, I don't know, spontaneous, creative, whatever, to something that could actually add value uh, to some of the teams. Yeah. And that that's what a company is, a well-oiled process. You know, the <laughs> more organized the process are, the more organized a company is. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Heather. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Duane. And thanks for listening to the Got 10 Minutes podcast. To stay in touch, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and also on the podcast app that you're listening to this on right now. So take care.